When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. That ain't no Hank Williams song. Your union cards. May I see your cards, please? Our lady of blessed acceleration, don't fail me now. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Xavier Host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes, and in the process, do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us today, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. This episode, I am excited to have two returning contestants ready to battle their way for Gen X supremacy. There's something for everyone here, I hope, but if you like reminiscing about Back to the Future, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Michael Jackson catching on fire, then this episode is one you might especially like. We're going to save Gen X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two good friends of over 35 years. I am thrilled to have my two returning guests on the show today. Please welcome back to the show, Adam. Thanks for having me, Zabe. Happy to be here. Especially excited to be competing against Tyler. I've always looked up to him my whole life, you know, kind of tried to follow in his footsteps. He's a lot older than me, though, so I think I might have an advantage in this one. <laughs> It's true. The old memory ain't what it used to be. And Adam will be playing against his good friend and former champion on the show. Please welcome back, Tyler. Hey, Zabe. Thanks for having me back on. Longtime fan. Listen to every episode. I'm, I'm really excited to be on here with Adam. I've actually literally looked up to Adam since he was about 12 <laughs> and passed me in height. So uh, I'm glad, glad to have him on the show with us. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say anything regarding that. Tyler and I are both about the same height, just about. I think I'm shorter than you, Tyler. I think if I stand on your shoulders like a couple of kids trying to get into an R-rated movie, I, we might be about Adam's height. Yeah, we could Muppet Man it and uh, be about the same height. But before we meet them both properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will have a chance at today's fabulous prize. That is, if you consider random crap on my eBay watch list to be fabulous. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call the Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of the round will be awarded the power. The power. Which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. Ladies and gentlemen, Steven Spielberg. 
without John Williams, bikes don't really fly. Nor do brooms in Quidditch matches, nor do men in red capes. There is no force. Dinosaurs do not walk the earth. We do not wonder. We do not weep. We do not believe. John, you breathe belief into every film we have made. You take our movies, and through your musical genius, you make them real and everlasting for billions and billions of people. So it is my honor to be up here tonight to say to you, my lifelong friend and my colleague, congratulations. John Williams is a composer that needs little introduction. In a career that has spanned nearly seven decades, he has composed some of the most popular, recognizable, and critically acclaimed film scores during the Gen X timeline, as well as cinematic history, for that matter. With 52 Academy Award nominations, he is the second most nominated individual in history after Walt Disney. So John Williams has been nominated for 52 Academy Awards, winning five, six Emmy Awards, winning three, 25 Golden Globe Awards, winning four, and 72 Grammys, winning 25. However, his contributions to the movie soundtracks of our generation cannot be measured. This Facts of Life list asks you to name the greatest movie franchises that John Williams has scored. The list rules are that these are all movie franchises between 1975 and 1993. All of the movies in their respective franchises have been condensed into one entry on the list. They are ranked based on the major awards they won, first by Academy Awards, then Golden Globes, and finally Grammys, with the tiebreaker being nominations for those awards. Your opinions will vary, but one could argue that these are the finest works by this legend of movie scores. So tell me, guys, what are the greatest movie scores for a franchise made by John Williams? We flip the coin backstage to see who goes first. And Adam, you won the coin flip. Yes. Get us started, Adam. Star Wars. Yeah, now are these franchises or individual movies? These are franchises. So Adam says Star Wars. So all the Star Wars movies have been are condensed into this one entry. Okay. Right. Star Wars, number one on the list. Well done. So Star Wars won one Academy Award, one Golden Globe, and five Grammys. Tyler, what do you got for us? Oh, I'm gonna grab some low-hanging fruit and say Indiana Jones. The Indiana Jones franchise is number seven on the list. Whoa. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark got one Grammy Award and five nominations. Adam, back to you. No strikes so far. I'll take the number two answer on the list. The Jaws franchise. <sighs> Jaws, number three on the list. Jaws got one Academy Award, one Golden Globe, and one Grammy. There was one that was more decorated than this. Tyler, you got it. I, there, I can't think of the one that beat it, but let's go with number nine on, on the <laughs> list. Uh, Home Alone. Home Alone, number nine on the list. Is it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Called you shot even. Judges, does he get bonus points for that? Sorry, okay. Sorry, forgot no points are awarded in round one. Adam, back to you. The E.T. franchise is my answer. <laughs> you wanted to call your shot to see where it is on the list? Number two. Number two on the list. Well done. E.T. got one Academy Award, two Grammys, and one Golden Globe. Was there ever a sequel to E.T.? No. Okay. Should, nor should there be. Right, right, right. Give them time, Tyler. They'll, they'll come around to it, I'm sure. I mean, there was the remake where they took the guns out of the, they digitally removed guns out of the, uh, like, Fed's hands and replaced them with flashlights, I believe. That was kind of the, trying to make it less violent or whatever. Mm -hmm. So far, no strike so far. Five answers down. And we come back to Tyler. I, I don't know if he was the, the uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Superman. Superman is an outstanding answer because it's but number not, five. Oh, it is number. Okay, it is John Williams. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah.
Yeah, he got two Grammys for that. Uh, I think that's the only one in the franchise that he was a part of wisely after watching a lot of those. Although Superman 2 is legit. Superman 3, eh, it's got its moments, I guess. Adam, back to you, buddy. Close Encounters. Some good John Williams fans on the show today. Number six on the list. Close Encounters got two Grammys and four nominations. The thing about Close Encounters is it came out the same year as Star Wars did in 1977. So it kind of got a little cannibalized by the other awards. Tyler, back to you, pal. No strikes uh, for either of you. Yeah, that's concerning me. Uh, <laughs> you, okay, this is through what year? 90 what? 93. Did Jurassic Park come out in 94? <laughs> um, I think that came out in 94. Actually, I'm not sure. I, oh, we're going to say it's 93. Uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Number 10 on the list. Came out in 1993. I was in Mexico at the time, so I, I, I only I saw it on video when I got home. You're smart, Tyler, for figuring out the dates. That was a good move. It only got nominated for two Grammys, uh, but that also came out as the same as one of the other movies on the list. Adam, your turn. No strikes for either of you. Strike one is going to be uh, Goonies. <laughs> I think that was Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Adam, you called your shot again. You're right. That is a strike. So it's one strike for you, Adam. Tyler, you are strikeless. There are two answers left on the board. Can you take that- one of them off? JFK. JFK is an outstanding answer. However, it is number 11 on the list. These go to 11. Oh, good try. Adam, one strike, two answers left. Number four and number eight still on the board. All right. We're going to go with um, say anything because that's what I just did. (laughs) I'm sorry. Say anything was not a John Williams vehicle. That's two strikes for you, Adam. Tyler, back to you. Whoever can get one more off this list, I think is going to win. Well, it's down to two. That's crazy. Uh, Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Sun is a fantastic answer. But that's number 12 on the list. Oh, well, at least I'm getting, I'm hitting the dartboard just on the outside. Oh, yeah. You're doing great. I don't think I would have come up with Empire of the Sun. Adam, same scenario, buddy. Saving Private Ryan, I think, was later than this time frame, but that's my answer. Once again, you are correct. It is later in the timeline. So that's three strikes, Adam. That means, Tyler, congratulations. You won round one, and you have the power. The power is yours. Uh, By the power of Grayskull. I have the power. Hey, you guys did great on that list, though. To come down to I, only two, that's that's pretty strong. Well, let's hear it. What did we miss? Jurassic Park was number 10. Nine was Home Alone. Number eight is one you did not get, which was the movie Hook. Oh, I was never in a million years going to get Hook. That's a movie I've pretty much forgotten about. Yeah, I never saw that one. Uh, it's a tearjerker, let me tell you. Number seven is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Six was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Five, Superman. Number four, you did not get, which was Schindler's List. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I thought that was in the 90s. Okay. It was 93. Oh, you're right. 93. Okay. Oh, that, you, you gave us a clue, too. I did give you a clue. Oh, okay. Jaws was number three, two ET, and number one, of course, was Star Wars. I think we did pretty well. I think you guys did great. Yeah. And. Um- you, you will know that Stephen and I have worked together for I don't know, 43 or 40 years, something amazing. And it's like a perfect marriage. You know, we really have never had an argument of any kind. And it is a testament to this man's humanity and his loyalty and his patience and his very good taste. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Gen X and what might possibly disqualify you from being called Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Adam. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X credentials and potential disqualifiers. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I was born in 1974, so that places me squarely within Generation X. I qualify because I love the Showtime Lakers. The Smiths are my favorite band. Star Wars, Indiana Jones uh, were gems of my youth. Probably the only movies I've watched multiple times. The things that disqualify me is I was 
raised in a pretty conservative household. So TV was not something we had a lot of access to. So I missed out on a lot of the pop cultures from TV movies as well. I was not allowed to watch rated R movies. Had to sneak to my friend Jason's house to watch them. So I have a little bit of a knowledge there, but that those are the disqualifiers for me, for sure. Judges, are we going to be able to keep Adam on the show despite not watching a single rated R movie during his youth? Congratulations, Adam. They're, they're going to let you stay. Yeah, I think you coming over was the only time you ever watched uh, Revenge of the Nerds or Terminator or any of those Terminator sorts of things. Terminator and Rambo were the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That sounds, that sounds like my house growing up. <laughs> Thanks for being on, Adam. And also, please welcome to the show, Tyler. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X credentials and potential disqualifiers. Uh, yeah, much like Adam, I was born right in the middle of Generation X. And but unlike Adam, I have older siblings aside from younger siblings. So my siblings, we span the entire Generation X timeline. So I had siblings that introduced, it, introduced me to the early Gen X pop culture items. And then I had, you know, younger siblings that, you know, still were collecting toys into the nineties. So uh, that's one thing I remember growing up. I remember the introduction of Twix candy bars in the late seventies <laughs> and Skittles. <laughs> and I remember when Cool Ranch Doritos were brand new. And so I was, I was around for, for those major events. And then the marathon bar disappeared somewhere in my childhood. So I remember the old marathon bar that, which no longer exists. The old joke so. is uh, Betty White is older than sliced bread. Tyler, you're older than Skittles. That's well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Nice. And what are your disqualifiers? Oh, my disqualifiers. Uh, I was not a latchkey kid. My, <laughs> my mother was home watching everything we did every single day. And uh, despite the fact that I wanted, I kind of wanted to be at times, I wanted to do my own thing and not get in trouble, but I still be a fairly independent person, but my mother was watching everything. Yeah. Unlike a lot of us, you had mothers that really cared about your, you, uh, both of you really, and, and loved you. So to, to an extreme, yes, to an extreme, but still I'll take it judges. Okay. Word. All right, guys, let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I will ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judge to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, which is you, Tyler, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering the questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be, or you will get slimed. So if you don't know the answer, please make something up and try and make it entertaining. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose a prize that the both of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of that round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. That was my question. So Wait. if you have the power, it's who goes first, but it's whoever wins the round gets to pick the prize. Correct. Because it's usually the same person, but it's not always the same person. It's not always the same person. No. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, I, I, I had that question listening to an episode the other day, and I thought, oh. The power yeah, always lets you go first at all times. Oh, that's a no huge advantage in the last yeah. round. Oh, yeah, okay. It makes all the difference in the world. Okay. So Tyler, you have the power and you can pick between these two questions. Will it be not all press is good press, which is a music slash culture question, or will it be thuggy or not thuggy? That is the question. Wow. I'm not quite sure what those, let's go with A. a. Wait, I, I know my Indian cooking well. So the G-H-E-E -E question is mine. Well, that's good because I wasn't going to get it right. And then I would have lost the power. So, <laughs> right, Tyler, this is a question called Not All Press is Good Press. It is a music slash culture question. Okay. Never in human history was hair more flammable than during Gen X. For some evidence of this fact comes from the time when Michael Jackson was almost burnt to death while filming a commercial for this company's product. Name that company. I believe it was Pepsi. Pepsi. That's was that, correct. Well was, that a, was that a multiple choice? That was not multiple choice. Oh, okay, good. If you didn't know that, you may you may lose your Gen X card right there. <laughs> On the day of shooting the commercial in front of 3,000 fans, the set's fireworks explosion went off too early and set Michael Jackson's hair on fire. <laughs> Unknowingly, Michael continued to perform Billie Jean and his hair burned for 10 seconds and left him with second and third degree burns on his scalp and face. Pepsi gave Michael $1.5 million as compensation for the brutal injuries, but the money was then donated to the burn center named after Jackson. Ironically, it has been reported that Michael Jackson always hated the taste of Pepsi. 
I guess when your sponsor is involved and you almost getting burnt to death, it could put a bad taste on your mouth for their product. <laughs> Wasn't there some rhyme about Michael Jackson that said Pepsi Cola burned him up and now he's drinking seven up? <laughs> I think you're right. I shouldn't. I don't. I don't know that. what leads into that final line, but that's. I, I think you're right. Crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's a blast from the past, man. I haven't thought about that forever. You're a whole new generation. You're loving what they do. I put a Pepsi in the motion, and that's short enough for you. Hey, you're the best generation. So that is two points for Tyler. Scores two nothing. Adam, this is your question. It's titled Thuggy or Not Thuggy. That is the question. It is a movie question. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is the second movie in the Indiana Jones trilogy franchise. Indy faces off against Mularam, the leader of a fictionalized Thuggy cult in India. The cult portrayed in the movie worships as a highly unorthodox, heretical terrorist group that is highly divorced from mainstream Hinduism. What is the name of the goddess this cult worships in the movie? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Vishla? B, Lhasa Apso? C, Kali? D, Bernice? Or E, Golden Retriever? Will you repeat the, uh, the answers, please? Sure. Is it A, Vishla? B, Lhasa Apso? C, Kali? D, Bernese, or E, Golden Retriever? I'll go with A, Vishla. I'm sorry, Vishla is incorrect. Tyler, can you steal this? I have no idea. I, I don't think it's the. I don't think it's Golden Retriever. Are you sure? Might be worth no, it. No, no, I'm not certain. But I. Okay. Uh, can, can I get the last? Uh, we'll say C. That Kali, Kali. A better pronunciation would be Kali, and that is correct. Awesome. That's an extra point for you, Tyler. For some strange reason, the Thuggies worshipped a very benevolent figure in the Hindi pantheon. Kali is the only goddess on the list. The other names are breeds of dogs, if you didn't catch on to that. So Kalima is a good goddess, and the rest are just good boys. Yeah, the B sounded off. And then what was D? Gold Retriever. No, that that was E. What was D? Uh, D was uh, Bernese. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't think it was. I'm like, it's not the Bernays sauce. (laughs) Hello, lady. We go for white. Molaram, prepare to meet Kali in hell. Okay, so the score is three nothing. Tyler, you still have the power, and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Ginny Walters Smash, which is a comic book question, or will it be? Wesley Snipes would choose this question. Shut up, Wesley. Which is a games question. A games question? Yeah. Neither of these sound like my strong suit. Let's uh, let's do the first one. The first one, Ginny Walter Smash. This is a comic book question. In February 1980, Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee introduced a female superhero who happened to be the cousin of Bruce Banner. She got her powers after a blood transfusion from her cousin and embraced her newfound powers, unlike her more reluctant cousin. What superhero name does she go by? And the multiple choice. There is no multiple choice on this one, my friend. Uh, She-Hulk. She-Hulk is correct. Way to go, Tyler. Adam, did you know that one? Uh, No. In the comics, She-Hulk is a lawyer who got her degree at UCLA before taking a job in a New York law firm. The firm had many notable lawsuits over the years, including Spider-Man versus the Daily Bugle, as well as Howard the Duck versus Lucas, in which Howard the Duck wanted to sue George Lucas over movie rights. No word on how that one turned out, but I think Howard the Duck has an excellent case. This is obviously no place for an intelligent, sensitive duck. So, Adam, you're in a bit of a hole. Five to nothing. You can get right back in it with a correct answer here. Bring it. This one's called Wesley Snipes would choose this question. It's a game's question. The Rubik's Cube was invented in 1977 and was an iconic toy for Generation X. It has gone through many changes over the decades, but the original cube had different colored stickers on each side that needed to be sorted out in order to solve the puzzle. Which of the following was not a color of, of one of those original stickers from 1977? Was it A, black, B, white, C, green, or D, orange? It's a black. Did any of you guys ever beat the Rubik's Cube? 
I learned as an adult. Yeah. We didn't have YouTube as a kid, so I couldn't figure out how to do it till I was an adult. Yeah, people can't solve. People can solve that in like a couple of seconds, man. Like with one hand, it's crazy. Underwater, da- blindfolded. Yeah. My da- my daughter does speed cube stuff. She can do it in a couple of minutes. Nice. Well, I got a couple of old Rubik's cubes that I'm going to take over to your house, Tyler, because that is correct. Black is the right answer. Yeah, she doesn't have to steam the stickers off and re put them back on. <laughs> Thanks for stealing my fun fact. The original six colors were white, red, blue, green, yellow, and orange. The only time the cube squares were black was when I would grow frustrated with being unable to solve the thing and peel off the stickers in order to solve the puzzle. (laughs) Well, let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. So, Adam, that is two points for you. Back on on the board, not back on the board, on the board. You're on the board, buddy. However, Tyler still has the power, and he gets to pick between these two questions. Will it be Big Bucks, No Whammies, which is a TV game show question? Or will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? Let's go No Whammies. Big Bucks, No Whammies. One of the best parts of watching Press Your Luck was seeing what kind of whammy would appear when a contestant would lose their loot. How many different whammy animations were produced during the original run of the show? Was it A, 49, B, 59, C, 79, or D, 69? 69, dude! Oh, well, everyone knows this one was uh, 79. I'm making this game too easy. That's correct. Oh, I'm, I was shooting in the dark. I figured it wasn't 69. After that, I was just guessing. Uh, if ever there was a question to be a 69 on this show, then that would have been the one, I think. You should reverse engineer it where you find something whose answer is 69 and then think of the question. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> 79 total whammy animations were used during the show's run. 66 regular whammies, 10 special occasion whammies and three whammy out whammies. In researching the different whammies, the judges came across a breakdancing whammy, a whammy riding a shark, and something called whammy supreme. There's no other details on that last one, but I assume it was just a regular whammy, but it came with a side of sour cream. Seven to two is the score. Adam, here's cinema sound check for you. This is either going to put you right back in the game or it's going to bury you. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks for a musical score of a popular Gen X movie, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you hints as to what the name of the movie is. We'll go back and forth between each player in this head-to-head challenge, and you'll give me a new movie title on your turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it right on their turn. Here's your clues. This movie came out in 1975. It is a PG movie, and IMDb calls it an adventure thriller. Here's song number one for you, Adam. It's called The Indianapolis Story. Chariots of Fire. That is incorrect. That's okay. We got seven more. Tyler, song number two is for you. It's called The First Victim. Um, <laughs> Rocky. No, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I take that back. I take it back. It's Jaws. <laughs> Jaws is correct. Well done, Tyler. Judges? I mean, he gave another answer. In the spirit of wanting to continue the game and make it competitive, I want to say no, but uh, we're going to give you the point anyways. Well done, Tyler. Thank you. You know, I've done like, I don't know, three or four of these now. And every single time the contestants get it within the first two, the first two titles. It's driving me crazy. I mean, I, I write all these out and nothing ever comes of it. Well, Indianapolis threw me off at first. I'm like, what serial killer was in Indianapolis? I'm like, oh, it's the ship. Yeah. Well done, Tyler. Uh, Well remembered. The other song titles are Man Against Beast. Song number four was Promenade Tourist on the Menu. Song five was One Barrel Chase. If you didn't get it by then, Quint Meets His End or Blown to Bits should have tipped you off. And finally, The Shark Approaches was the final one if you didn't get it by then. Fun fact, when John Williams first demonstrated the idea to Spielberg just playing two notes on the piano for this song, Spielberg was said to have laughed thinking it was a joke. Spielberg later said that without Williams' score, the film would have been only half as successful. And according to Williams, it jump-started his career. I mean, it's got to be one of the most famous two notes in cinema history. Okay, here's the situation. We have two questions left. Tyler, you have eight points. Adam, you have two. I'm not going to try and spin it. But anything can still happen. Well, he could still steal the points and steal the power, and that's all that matters. Right. Stealing the power right now is what you want to do. He just won't be picking the prize. Yeah. 
Okay, Tyler, you still have the power you can pick between these two questions. Will it be Marty McFly is just too darn loud, which is a movie question, or will it be name that auto tune for a head to head challenge? Uh, let's go with Marty McFly. Marty McFly is just too darn loud. In the beloved film Back to the Future, Marty auditions to perform at the school dance in 1985 with his band by playing which song? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Power of Love? B, Heart of Rock and Roll? C, Johnny Be Good? D, Back in Time? Or E, Baby Got Back? <laughs> so in his audition, the first time? Correct. Not Johnny Be Good, not Baby Got Back. Uh, my fir the first choice was what? The Power of Love, which was the theme of the movie. I'm going to say Power of Love. Power of Love is correct. Tyler, I don't think you've missed a question all day. Your, your dominance is continuing. I wouldn't have gotten that without multiple choice, though. Uh, here's the fun fact. The Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News was a hit song off the film's soundtrack. The judge who says Marty is, quote, just too darn loud is none other than Huey Lewis himself. See, I thought that was going to be your question. Like, I think I got this one. Name that auto tune, Adam. For this question, the judges will perform parts of a popular Gen X song, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using a awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs they will take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen other than Adam winning. <laughs> so adam here's your clue this song is from 1981 here is the judge's version it's not his fault that he can't behave society made him go astray perhaps if we're nice he'll go away perhaps he'll go away he'll go away johnny be good johnny be good is incorrect <clears throat> tyler can you steal this i believe i can i believe that's only a lad by oingo boingo that is correct well done, Tyler. You're dunking all over Adam. I've never done it in real life, so <laughs> it's only been the other way around. <laughs> Here's a bit of the original just to refresh your mind, Adam. That's it. Danny Elfman's one of the most interesting dudes around, man. You could have done that first category for his movies. I mean, he's got over 10. I mean, this guy's awesome. Oh, yeah. Within, a, within three seconds, you're like, oh, did Danny Elfman score this movie? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Super recognizable. Yeah, he's great. Uh, my English teacher my sophomore year was personal friends with Danny Elfman. Mrs. Carpenter. Do you remember her? Oh, she was? Yeah, she was like personal friends. We all thought she was so cool because she had like autographed pictures of Danny Elfman in her office. Well, she had that whole like movie projector room at the back of her classroom. Well, I sorry, I never went back there. I wasn't popular enough to go back there, Tyler. Oh well, I was I was invited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. This is Carpenter. Yeah, she had that green frog. Remember in their class? You don't remember that frog? She did the academic competition team. They did the Qantas Bowl and stuff. That was yeah. her. She was a real nice lady, though. I I, oh, I, really I liked, liked her. her a lot. Yeah. R.I.P. I assume. Okay. <laughs> Do we know where she is? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. So Tyler, this is your song. This is from 1988. Here is the judge's version. Landmine has taken my sight, taken my speech, taken my hearing, taken my arms, taken my legs, taken my soul, left me with life in hell. Artist and title, Tyler. Did we stump him? Finally. Yeah, it, it sounds familiar. Oh, oh, uh, Landmine's taken my, uh, it's one by Metallica. Damn it. Good one, Tyler. <laughs> okay, so I'm not even going to repeat the score. However, Adam, let's 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 finish this out. Bring it. Can you get this song from 1986? And if a double-decker bus crashes into us, to die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. And if a ten-ton truck kills the both of us, to die by your side, well, the pleasure 
The privilege is mine. I mean, I hope I know the name of it. I think it's a light that never, there is a light that never goes out in the Smiths. That is correct. Right. Well done. So in honor of my two friends that are on the podcast here today, I'd like to play a little bit and let uh, the soulful sounds of Morrissey tell you how I feel about my two friends. Yo. So Tyler, congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the waiting room while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where we are going to select a prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. The Transformers will return after these messages. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Positive reviews truly do make a difference in the algorithms podcast platforms use to suggest new shows to their users. So if you're so inclined, please help us spread the word about the podcast. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. We now return to the Transformers. Round three. Round three today is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they need to give me responses to what they think are the most popular answers from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power, that is you, Tyler, gets to answer first. While player two was unable to hear the responses, player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize that the winner of round two has selected in secret. So I have a quick announcement before we start. It's been pointed out to me that more people would like to take part of the dysfunctional family feud surveys, but have no access to add their voice to the answers. Well, here's your chance. Sign up for our newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to the upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Share your Gen X knowledge with the world or see if your answers end up in the honorable mention segment. It's great fun either way. The newsletter will also keep you up to date with all the latest news announcements for the show. We have lots of rad stuff planned coming up in the near future, and we're excited to share it with you. This is also a good spot to submit questions or segment ideas, inquire about becoming a contestant on the show or being a special guest on the home game mini episodes. So check out that newsletter if you are interested. Okay, that's enough talk about that. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Let's put Adam in the waiting room. So Tyler, you know how to play? Yeah. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a television sitcom character's catchphrase. What you talking about, Willis? Name an advertising slogan used in a fast food commercial. Where's the beef? I don't know if that's really a slogan. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Name a character from an animated show or movie that died on screen during Generation X. Please note that Bambi came out in 1942. I'm going to have to pass. What is the first video game you ever passed? Kaboom. What is the best Weird Al parody of a Gen X song? Uh, Fat. Let's go back to the one he passed on. Name a character from an animated show or movie that died on screen during Generation X. Uh, Mufasa. Can people beat Pac-Man or does it just keep going to more levels? Well, to beat it, I mean, you actually can beat Pac-Man. 
to get to that kill screen where the, the memory runs out in the machine, but you can get all the achievements and that's considered passing it, you know? Oh, anyway. if you get to the ninth key, there's probably better answers. I, that was one of those. I gave my answer. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. All right, Adam, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions. I asked Tyler, you may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this. <laughs> And I'll tell you to give me another answer. It's a little more difficult. So we're going to give you two passes. Pro tip, use your passes. Don't waste them. Also, Adam, some of these are kind of personal questions in a way. So make sure you don't uh, answer for you personally, but what you think is the most popular answer. Okay. Got it. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a television sitcom character's catchphrase. What is that countdown for? That's how long you have to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> You've been on the show before, dude. Didn't do that in the second episode. Dynamite. I'm sure Tyler probably said that one. No, he didn't. Okay. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> question two. Name an advertising slogan used in fast food commercials. Who's got the beef? Where's the beef? Try again. Pass. Name a character from an animated show or movie that died on screen during Gen X. Please note that Bambi came out in 1942. Uh, Gargamel. Well, I did say make your answers entertaining. <laughs> what is the first video game you ever passed? Final Fantasy. What is the best Weird Al parody of a Gen X song? Eat it. Let's go back to the one he passed on. What is an advertising slogan used in a fast food commercial? Uh, where's Herb? <laughs> what, what fast food chain was that, Adam? Is that Burger King? Where's Herb? I think it was. All right. I mean, check it out. To, to Google that one. Let's go to the scores. Question one I asked you guys name a television sitcom character's catchphrase. Tyler, you said, What you talking about, Willis? Which was the number one answer worth 32 points. Adam. You gave us Dynamite, which was the number two answer nice. worth 26 points. We gather the information for these surveys on our Facebook page and also through our newsletter. And sometimes we get some silly responses. Uh, I'd like to give them honorable mentions. So honorable mention to the TV sitcom character goes to He-Man's catchphrase of I have the power. Although I would not call Masters of the Universe a sitcom, that phrase plays a part in the podcast, so I had to give it some love. So, Tyler, you're up six points going into question two. Name an advertising slogan used in a fast food commercial. Tyler, you said the very popular Where's the Beef, which was the number one answer again, worth 35 points, bringing you to a total of 67. Adam, you said Where's Herb? Or for my two British listeners, Where's Herb? I'm sorry, that did not make the survey. What was number two? Number two was have it your way. That's a Burger King slogan. Were food folks and fun on there? Or was that the 90s? <laughs> I think that was 90s. Where's Herb was an advertising campaign for the fast food chain Burger King in 1985 and 1986. There you go. He'd I never corrected. Eaten, he had never eaten a Whopper in his whole life. My favorite. Oh, yeah, that's right. My favorite catchphrase. You said personal, right? You said don't. You said you said answer. With I said personal. I said make sure you make it personal to you and not consider what other people said. Yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I stand corrected, Adam. Uh, well done, well remembered. Yeah, I do remember that, but didn't help you. So we're moving on. Nobody else did. <laughs> no one else remembered. One person said, "I've fallen and I can't get up." I don't know what fast food they're having if it involves Life Alert, but the honorable mention goes to the phrase "Go see cow." Those familiar with the famous Cal Worthington and his dog Spot commercials from Southern California will agree that this has should have been ranked much higher, even though it wasn't a fast food commercial. Question three was name a character from an animated show or movie that died on screen during Generation X and had the little reminder that Bambi was not a Gen X movie. Tyler, you said Mufasa, which was the number three answer worth 20 points. You now have 87 points. Adam, you gave us Gargamel who I think is still alive. Uh, that did not make the survey. I'm sorry. The number one answer was Optimus Prime. If you remember the Transformer movie where he dies and turns all gray and there's not a dry eye in the theater. I fear the wounds are fatal. Prime, you can't die. Honorable mention goes to Roy Foker from Robotech. Lochnar, Melting Fools in the movie Heavy Metal, if you remember that. 
And finally, to the one dude who still said Bambi's mother, despite it being spelled out in the question as not being Gen X. Way to go. Okay, going to question number four. What is the first video game you ever passed? I think this question threw a lot of people as they put in a lot of games that cannot be passed because they're just score-based or not achievement-based at all. I'm still in the room. (laughs) Speaking of which, Tyler gave us Kaboom. And I'm sorry, Tyler, that did not make the survey. You totally blew it, dude. Adam, you gave us Final Fantasy. While you can pass that game, that also did not make the survey. The number one answer, you guys want to redo on that one? What's the number one answer, Tyler? You know it. I can tell. Pac-Man. No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Adventure. I'm sorry. Adventure is the answer. Uh, Adventure would have been a great answer, although it didn't make the survey. Really? <laughs> that was my. That would have been my. <laughs> okay, the, the, what is your I think one personally answer? think it's a great answer. Super Mario Brothers, guys. The Nintendo, 1980. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone had that game. Not, I didn't. All the cool kids. I know. Game. My cousins had it. My cousins had it. <laughs> your cool cousins or lame cousins? Oh, the cool ones. Okay. All right. What's number two? Zelda? Number two was Pac Man. I mean, technically, you could pass it, but, you know, Zelda was number five, Adam. I'd like to give an honorable mention to the one vote for Oregon Trail. And the one <laughs> leisure suit, Larry. Nice. Leave it to Gen X to respond with a game about dying from dysentery and also about a famous softcore porn video game. <laughs> so the score is Tyler with 87, Adam still on 26. I asked you, what is the best Weird Al parody of a Gen X song? Tyler, you gave us Fat Parody of Bad, which was the number three answer worth 23 points. That, sh- that should have been number one. More chins than Chinatown is the best line of any of his any of his songs. Sorry, millennials. So I, I wonder if like a surgeon should have been a better answer. But I like Adam's Eat It's actually a better song. So Tyler, your grand total is 110. You beat 100, which is the benchmark for a great score. So well done. Thank you. Adam, you need 84 points to win. Got it. Or 84 points to tie at least. I got it. I got it. I'm feeling it, man. I feel good. Adam, you said Eat It? Which was the number one answer? The question is now, what did Gen X say? Was it enough? Survey said. I'm sorry, Adam. That's only worth 30 points, bringing you to a total of 56. That means, Tyler, you have won the game, and you get to go on to claim a chance at your prize. Congratulations. You are doing your part to save Generation X. Thanks, Zabe. There's no honorable mention for Weird Al. However, it just goes with a personal message of love to our national treasure that is Weird Al Yankovic. Where would Gen X be without you, sir? That's not a world I want to live in. So I'm sorry, Adam, that things didn't turn out the way that uh, you might have been hoping for. But did you still have a good time? Awesome time, man. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for being here. For winning round three, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Tyler until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Tyler had to choose from, and then we'll have him reveal what he chose. First item in the prize vault is this rad looking t-shirt featuring a melting Rubik's cube. Cathartic for those of us that could not solve the puzzle and would rather set it on fire than try again. Next, we have an unopened pack of Garbage Pail Kids stickers that features the character Adam Bomb on the cover. In it, you receive five Garbage Pail Kids stickers and one stick of gum. Please note that this gum is now 35 years old, but gum from these things are like honey from an Egyptian pyramid. They never go bad. Next, we have a vintage button from the 80s that reads, Together, we did it right. Again, Sequoia. No details on what Sequoia is bragging about here, but if they manage to do it twice, then it must be a big deal. Complete your Mork from Orc cosplay outfit with these vintage rainbow suspenders that look exactly like the ones worn by Robin Williams on the show. And finally, we had a look at listings from Portugal to find the final item in the prize vault today. It is a felt drinking coaster that has the words The Smiths printed on it and shows Morrissey reclining in a thoughtful pose, contemplating that there's a table that never gets wet. (laughs) Tyler, can you reveal to us what item you picked and why? Yeah, I'm getting the uh, vintage Rubik's Cube Nintendo Sega t-shirt. My kids are are little fashionistas and these little these uh, vintage t-shirts are kind of a thing right now. I kind of regret throwing away every concert t-shirt that I no longer have. (laughs) I still have them all. I'm just gaining too much weight to ever wear them. Let's bid this sucker up. We're the high bidder at four bucks. Tyler, if this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll I'll buy this for you and have it shipped out to you. Just like we did the Star Wars nesting dolls. You got that, didn't you? I still have them. Yes, I do. Word. 
Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook or our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvements for future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you're interested. For those of you who would like to support the show but don't want to use Patreon, we now offer Venmo for your convenience. You can find us at Who Will Save Gen X on your Venmo account, if this is your preference. If you like what we're doing here and want to do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thanks so much for listening. We'd like to do our shout-outs and plugs right now. Adam, thanks again for being on the show. Anything you'd like to say before we leave? Just I love you guys. It's fun, fun to be here with both of you. Reconnect. Thanks for having me, Zabe. Uh, for those that really are into this stuff, I encourage you to check out the Facebook Generation X account Zabe runs or has there. We've got a lot of good stuff there. And uh, yeah, look forward to listening to more episodes. Thanks, buddy. Love you too. And Tyler, our champion, two-time champ. What do you got to say before we leave? Uh, yeah, same. Thanks, Dave. This has been really fun. The the whole podcast, it's been fun to listen to. Every time I, I, I turn on my phone in the morning and I see there's a new episode posted, that's what, I, that's what I listen to. That's the soundtrack for the morning. So shout out to you. And uh, I figure, why not shout out to the Duffer brothers who did Stranger Things? Uh, they really captured, as I watch Stranger Things, I'm seeing toys, linens, <laughs> um, food products that were exactly what I had those years that the show takes place. So if they're looking for an extra, hey, I'm I'm willing <laughs> or or a lead role. I'm I'm uh, I want to shout out to the Duffer Brothers and maybe they could include me in a future series episode. You definitely got the movie star looks to go with it, Tyler. So I have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I'd like to remind you, you can find all the links and details about our guests and our newsletter, the Venmo account and Patreon in the show notes for this episode. If you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I'll write you back with the details if you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Ladies and gentlemen, the recipient of the 44th Annual AFI Life Achievement Award, John Williams. And I really want to mention some of the great directors that I've worked with. George Lucas, certainly a genius. George, you've given me the greatest opportunity in the broadest canvas to write themes for characters. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Anakin, Luke and Leia, The Force, and so on. For the first film, George, I even wrote, you'll remember, a quite heated love theme with, with, a, with a melody and a development section and a torrid climax, thinking that Luke and Leia were lovers. <laughs> and, and I found out two years later that they were brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs>